Spags, today's show is going to take on a celebratory tone. We've hit a very important milestone. We have hit a couple important milestones because it's also NFL training camp. We hit a thousand followers on Twitter. And to celebrate, we're going to hit all of our training camp guys. And I, they, oh boy, <laughs> terrible intro to start. Pete's fist pumping threw me off. We'll hit the intro right now. <laughs> <laughs> take that one from the top <laughs> welcome everyone to a new edition of splash play the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun and once again i'm chris spags joined by your friend of mine pete Overzet. and pete we've done over a hundred shows now i think probably in the hundreds have you seen me brain fart in the intro quite like that to celebrate a thousand followers on twitter uh i'm sure you have yeah i'm sure oh, it, it, it didn't feel that out of the ordinary for me um i mean the big question on everyone's mind now that we did crest uh 1000 followers are you still going to extend the we will follow back because you always mm -hmm. caveated it as like this offer was only through a thousand followers I mean, I think at this point to show our love for the community to celebrate the fact that we appreciate each and every one of you when you hang out with us, whether you engage with a tweet on Twitter or not. I'm going to keep following them back, Pete, though. I, you're right. I did initially say first 1000 as though it was a going out of business sale. And given that it took us like two years to get there, I feel like we could just keep doing it. I think that's fair. And I mean, so but now like our our big stretch goal here, right, is we got to get to we are now what? Uh can I do math? 88 away mm -hmm. from uh, 1K here on the Splash Play channel. So I'm going to drop this in the chat again. I mean, if we could get Spags to 1K Twitter and our YouTube in the same week, I mean, you might not show up to pants with pants on for our Thursday show. That's true. I might literally lose all the fluids in my body because of them excreting at once. But tomorrow is the Spag solo stream where I talk more about such things. Uh, so please subscribe over there now. As you can see, lots of love put into the thumbnails on the Splash Play channel. And the goal is to do more on there as we go. But adding a thousand subs on there would be nice because then we can start to make money off of that. And speaking of making money, go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe right now. 20% off is the promo code that you're going to see on the site. And that's actually going to be the best deal we will have all season long. Uh, the goal is to get you guys in early to get all the data that uh, really does bring a lot of value to your betting, to your fantasy. It's all of that over at Football Outsiders. You also get the Football Outsiders Almanac, which is a fantastic bit of information that a lot of the media reports on. Get it for yourself. Read it on the beach like I'm going to do next week. Uh, but go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and get in there now. And Pete, training camp is afoot. So there's been a lot of news. I can tell you I've read probably a good 20,000 words on The Athletic within the last 24 hours. I know you're doing a lot of prep as well for the Fantasy Life newsletter covering things over there. What are you seeing as the number one story so far from camp? Because there's so many to hit on that we haven't touched on yet on the show. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, they all seem to carry the same weight, you know, outside of the Julio thing, which actually has major ramifications for fantasy. Uh, all these blurbs are kind of like these, I don't know, like little pricks, little bee stings uh, of information that don't quite move the needle. And you're trying to figure out which ones um, are actually meaningful. I guess some of the ones that have been very interesting to me are some of the backfields we kind of assumed were two-man backfields, uh, the Seahawks and the Bills particularly. I think everyone thought, okay, Singletary and James Cook, uh, Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny were kind of getting rumors, hey, Zach Moss, the, the rumors of his death have been greatly exaggerated. He might still have a goal line role. And then they're also saying, hey, Travis Homer might be the pass-catching back 
still for the Seahawks. So those are the ones I'm kind of eyeing. Like, I think you got to ignore a lot of the fluff, but if their teams are telling us like this guy's going to have a role and that's going to muddy a backfield that that's where uh, my spidey senses start tingling. Yeah, definitely some positive reviews in, and we are going to talk about, as I flubbed in the intro, we are going to talk about our training camp ADPs that we expect to rise based on some of the reports out there. I think a lot of lower guys, honestly, a lot of guys who aren't even being drafted sometimes on underdog or DraftKings, they could be soaring. So we'll hit on that in a second here. But Pete, I wanted to bring up the thing that we didn't talk about on Monday's show, even though I think the news item had hit. Kyler Murray, his new contract being paid incredibly highly. He's being assigned game film homework. And there was an update right before the show, which is why it's relevant to bring up again. Uh, Kyler Murray with a surprise appearance with the media media saying it's disrespectful almost a joke that people could think he could have accomplished what he has without studying and preparing for the game the game is too hard to do otherwise Kyler declined to answer a question if he was mad at the team for the contract clause but he did say he was flattered that people think he could have had this much success without preparation for the game and more from Kyler saying I'm not 6'7 230 pounds I can't throw at 85 yards I'm already behind the eight ball I can't afford to take any shortcuts no pun intended Pete bringing some bit equity to his his height for himself but Kyler Murray not happy with I guess the situation with the Cardinals coming out publicly. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I guess the question is like, he, he, him and his agent agreed to these terms, right. In the contract, like that mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, if they, if they had issues with it, they would have pushed back right when they, when they signed it. And he's more like reacting to the blowback where it was almost like people were offended either for him or they thought it was like a further reflection of his lack of commitment to the game of football. And I think you probably still have the, Oh, he might leave for baseball stuff still like lingering. Not that he would, but just people have that in his, in their head, like, Oh, maybe he's not fully committed here. And the way we've seen the Cardinals tail off, you know, where they start fast and then they just can't finish strong. So I get why there's this kind of antsy aura surrounding the Cardinals, but I, I didn't find that bad. Like there's all kinds of contracts out there, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm sure some of these guys, it says they can't like go snowboarding or surfing because it like they can't risk their health or they have to have a driver and can't drive drunk. I don't know why saying like this was, uh, I don't know. I just didn't find it that weird. I understand that some people think that's the table stakes to being a quarterback. And we love to glorify the Peyton Mannings who are spending all hours of the night studying game film before, but it's like, whatever this dude doesn't love football as much as like everybody else. And they put it in his contract to study a little more like who gives a shit. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I think it gives me more hope that he's going to now be locked into having to do this every week. I'm sure he was already. Did you see the one Twitter thread Pete about, I guess like his play is uh, typically coincided with call of duties release coming out. He starts yeah. to play worse after that. Like, I don't think that's possibly true, but if it is true, like now we know we have some contractual safeguards when you're drafting him. Yeah, I wanted to pull that up. Uh, I put this in the Fantasy Life newsletter the other day. Rose CD, uh, Peach, here's Kyler Murray's fantasy points for each game of his career. The line in orange is when the annual Call of Duty game released. So looking at the correlation here of seeing his fantasy points heading downhill. Uh, I didn't even, was this well known that he was obsessed with Call of Duty? Or is this just drawing a, a conclusion? I don't, I think he does stream. I mean, he is signed to an esports team, I believe. So I think his love for video games is there, but I refuse to believe this is the logic to why he's taking a downturn. Like, I think it's one of these, oh, the data might align in a way where people could make that conclusion, but, and it is three straight years. So I guess that's noteworthy, <laughs> but I just refuse to buy into this. Pot, like the James Harden strip club thing, way more likely. Yeah. I mean, it's a very fun thing. I think it's, it's probably a, I mean, the, the, um, you're probably conflating call of duty coming out like right around, you know, the mid season every time it seems like it comes out in mid October or whatever. And the Cardinals have just fallen off then. Um, I don't know. I attribute a lot of it to 
Kif, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's lack of creativity with the offense kind of um, running out of steam with getting the most out of his players. But I also, of course, love the Call of Duty angle there. Great research by Rose City Peach. So some other news items we could speed around here fast before we talk about our training guys. His ADPs are going to jump. Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson both giving quotes about being 2,000-yard receivers. Also worth pointing out, Joe Burrow did have an appendectomy, but that's not going to affect him too much. He'll be out of camp a little. He'll be fine. But Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, Pete, talking about this publicly with all the wide receivers being paid. I got to say, I love to hear it. I am sure that there is somewhere an underdog or a DraftKings team that has both these guys on it. I'll be very mad when I see it beating me at some point this season, but I love to hear these kind of quotes from these guys, two young receivers who actually fit the profile of the guys who can hit that that really unhit ceiling that comes you know, really so infrequently. I think these guys can do it, Pete, and I love them having a little bit of a friendly competition. Yeah, it's weird because I feel like there's two things, you know, from a macro perspective with the NFL where we're obviously in a, a much more passing friendly, you know, league at this point. But the other thing we've seen is, you know, teams not, you know, rely on an alpha guy and kind of, you saw how the chiefs decided to rebuild. They're like, yeah, we'll let, you know, he'll walk and kind of build through the depth. And you've seen some of these teams have success with, with multiple good pass catchers. I think even the Bengals are a good example of that, where it's like Jamar chase is the best wide receiver in the NFL, but like they don't need to give him a 30% target share because they have T Higgins and Tyler Boyd too. And so you'll see like them have down games. So the 2000 yards is still, I think a tough, um, a tough benchmark for these guys, but I would say if anyone could do it, it's probably Justin Jefferson because we've seen them have a super condensed target tree over the years. I think it's fair to wonder if uh, Adam Thielen is falling off a little bit more, you know, he'll probably still get his in the red zone, but I don't know what kind of targets you can pepper him with. So I do think if there's like an heir apparent to the Devonte Adams, massive target share, it is Justin Jefferson. And so I think he has the best crack at it of anybody. And the fact that he's also getting Kevin O'Connell coming over for the Rams, I think is one reason I would have the bigger faith overall in Justin Jefferson getting there in terms of the offense, feeding him in that same way. And we saw last year, the Rams were able to feed Robert Woods enough. And that could be the Adam Thielen role, even if he stays on the field, also giving Cooper cup really a high upside at week after week, as we saw, uh, but I'm a big buyer on both those guys and happy to get him. And my zero RB builds that I'll be doing tomorrow on stream. I can promise you that other news, Pete bills reporters speculating Isaiah McKenzie's been the best player every day in camp with Jamison Crowder still sidelined for quote unquote general soreness. There was, a two touchdown day for Gabe Davis in practice I saw but Isaiah McKenzie getting steamed and I feel like he's going to make the segment two of ADP guys rising because I've seen him go in the 120s and I feel like you can make that case pretty credibly yeah I the the thing there's been whiplash with those news reports right because we got all the positive Isaiah McKenzie stuff and then there came the well actually Jamison Crowder wasn't even practicing he was on the bike so all of this stuff is nullified and then even after that you still hear the coaches just saying Isaiah McKenzie is ripping up camp he looks like the best player in camp so I do think there's some smoke uh there and let's just be honest it's not like I'm trying to think who would be you know, say if it was like Jarvis Landry still, and it was like Isaiah McKenzie has to beat Jarvis Landry out, who I feel more confident in as like a competent slot receiver at this point in his career. I mean, we're talking about Jamison Crowder, who was like losing some snaps to Braxton Berrios last year and just seems like on the wrong side of his career. And we already saw them phase out Cole Beasley. Like Cole Beasley had that great season two years ago, and then they're like, he's pretty much cooked last year. So I don't know. I don't see Jamison Crowder as a big hurdle for McKenzie. And, um, you know, he's one, I'm probably willing to chase some steam up into, I don't know, the 15th, 16th round. I'm probably going to just leave my bags packed though. If he gets uh, much more expensive than that. And I 
And I think this is one thing, too, that best ball does allow you. Where Sean G in the chat saying got Crowder 20 spots after ADP. That's great. If you love Jameson Crowder, you're getting him at a discount that nobody had him in the drafting season so far. And if you love Isaiah McKenzie, you're probably getting him at the cheapest point he's going to be if you're drafting him right now. Like, he's not going to he's not gonna get lower at this point when he was going borderline undrafted when Pete was talking about him a couple weeks ago on the show. So I think this is one of those things where best ball, like, you could be right on either side. Prove it with your money. Prove it with your draft pro portfolio. And, and take Jameson Crowder now if you want to buy the dip. And one last news item, Pete, I wanted to bring to you. Denzel Mims getting a lot of positive reports in Jets camp. Uh, before that, he was rumored to be on the trade block or the release block potentially. And uh, all the Jets reports are talking glowingly of him. Is there a candle still on for him somewhere in your house? I mean, it's just like, there's only so, you know, I'm willing to get sucked back into the LaVisca stuff. I'm, I'm going back to the well. The third year, I'm just, you know, lapping up these reports about him being used as a Cordero Patterson type in this offense. I... I don't think I'm ready to have my heart broken by Denzel Mims again. I'm not Martin Galing Mims in the same way I will Rondell Moore and LaVisca. It's kind of like the Darius Slayton thing, you know? It's like you keep Martin Galing these guys, and then someone in your Discord points out, hey, Pete, Darius Slayton might not even make the team. Richie James has that role. So that's how I feel about Denzel Mims. He's such uh, an athletic freak that it makes sense that he dominates in these low-pressure situations um, just because he's going to be so much more talented and athletic than the DBs covering him. But for whatever reason, when push comes to shove, he just doesn't have the it factor, as NFL insiders might say. So I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not falling for this Denzel Mims stuff. So I've enjoyed a lot of your conversations with Brick about best ball, and I, I think I would ask you then. Let's say you had 12% Corey Davis. Would it not make sense now to take 4% Denzel Mims to get to that 8% overall between the two of them? See, but that's where I would go back. Like if I'm actually thinking about the pecking order, I'd almost rather take stabs on Braxton Berrios because I've seen him have a specific role in there. And if we're like thinking about contingent upside, I do agree with you that like Mims profiles more as like who would replace for Corey Davis. Um, but I don't know. I, Braxton Berrios might just have that dog in him, Spags. He might be who I make my contingent bets on. I mean, I think more in Wilson running out of the slot would make me think that a Mims has a shot of surviving more if he can beat out somebody. But look, we'll, we'll keep tracking it. I'm going to be obsessively refreshing athletic articles because I am. I was addicted. I was up till like 12 o'clock last night. Like I couldn't sleep. And then I needed to sleep because Luke has not been sleeping great lately and um, was just reading every single update on the athletic, which makes it oh so easy on the app. So uh, give a give a shout out to them. Go check it out. But Pete, we're going to talk about some training camps that'll boost guys ADPs. And I, I've got a huge list here. So I want to give you the floor first because I saw you have Dearness Johnson on the thumbnail behind me. I'm sure you have some takes that I don't have. So who would be your first pick in the ADP risers from training camp news? Yeah, I did put Dearness on the thumbnail. I guess I'll, I can take him 101. I mean, there has been just continuous kind of rumors and smoke and steady drumbeat about the Browns wanting to move a running back. Both Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson have been bandied about. It seems like Dearness is probably the more likely candidate. And I just think Dearness is one of those guys that is good. And basically any place he goes, I assume he's not going to be the third running back on the depth chart. And so, you know, if he's a 17th, 18th round pick now, I mean, most situations, you know, he'll likely be, you know, a direct backup, but I still think he's going to vault four to five rounds depending on where he goes. I know Justin Herzig had kind of a Twitter thread, I believe, about potential landing spots for him. Uh, I was talking about the Saints as a possibility. I think that one would be extremely interesting behind Alvin Kamara. And then you also get some really fun contingent upside there. So, yeah, I, I just think, you know, we saw the Julio Domino fall. Um, maybe I'm going to snake myself on another pick. Will Fuller, like Dearness Johnson feels like one of the higher probability ADP value risers. If there's, if that report is true. 
So I'm going to take a guy that I think we might have gone different ways with our approach to this one, but George Pickens to me is a guy who fits a lot of the profiles we talk about and, you know, coming out of the draft, a guy who has shown college production at a high level, also landed in the situation where it didn't seem like there was a clear pathway to reps. So he's being drafted or was being drafted the 150s, 160s, I think on underdog. Um, I should pull the ADP numbers, but I didn't do that. But Pickens is starting right now for the Steelers. He's projected to be outside alongside Deontay Johnson with uh, Chase Claypool running in the slot. And I think overall, Pete, this entire Pittsburgh offense, I mean, if I could put a claim in for the wide receiver group, I think they're all going to rise. But Calvin Austin also had some pretty big highlights, I guess, in, in practice, a 60-yard catch-and-run touchdown. Like, I think people are going to buy in on this offense more, but Pickens, I think, will benefit just because I don't think people thought he was going to see the field, and now he's running with the first team already, which I think is all upside for him. So I agree with you in general. The only reason I'm pushing back is because I think even if like George Pickens has the most insane training camp, like bearing an injury to Fryermuth, Claypool, or Deontay Johnson, I think it would be hard for him to move more than a couple of rounds. And basically as a good proxy for it, we've seen the steam on Joshua Palmer already, and we've seen the steam on Jalen Tolbert. But like without an injury, they're just kind of capped. Like the way it works is like you can only move up a couple rounds when you're, you know, the wide receiver three on a, on a team. So that would be my only pushback on, on Pickens, like being a massive ADP value riser. Interesting. Cause I, I think he is going to go up a good amount just by the virtue of, of starting. And I think that's kind of the, the signal people are worried about. Same thing for Alec Pierce, who apparently caught a nice 25 yard bomb from Matt Ryan. One of the few uh, deep throws that they had in Colts training camp so far, where they're deliberately working a lot on the short range stuff. I think he and Pierce right now going in the one fifties, one sixties, I think Pickens and Pierce rather that is are guys that are going to come up to me, the one thirty range, like high one twenties wouldn't shock me just because they're the mystery box, but they're definitely getting reps in a way that I think has some appeal. Another guy, Pete, I'm going to throw to you and, this is not going to be a surprise, but I think we need to plant the flag now. Trey Lance, to me, is going too low, and I think he's going to end up going ahead of Russell Wilson. I think he's going to be going reliably around where Joe Burrow does. The hype is starting to get there really in a big way. He's looking great in camp. The rushing upside is going to be there. The fact, too, that the Niners line is not going to be that good probably also gives him some sneaky upside there. I think he's a dude where like the mainstream kind of redraft people, season-long people are starting to get on now, but I think it's all going to result in him bubbling up by a good amount, and I think he's going to be the QB that jumps the most over the next few weeks. Yeah, and he's already been moving up. I, I thought it might be a little quicker, you know, where it was like a, a big jump, but it's been just kind of steady. We, you know, we basically have full confirmation now. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has come out and said, we are done with Jimmy G. This is Trey Lance's team. Now, all of a sudden, we're starting to get really glowing reports about Brandon Ayuk. And so when you start, if you're a drafter, you're in like the normie drafter mind and you're like, all right, I have no questions about Trey Lance starting. Uh, I like George Kittle. I like Debo Samuel and holy cow. Brandon Ayuk is having a massive camp. Like this is an offense I want to bet on. And so I agree, you know, I still think, and I still think I want Hertz over him. Hertz is ADP right now. 63 Lance is all the way up to where is he? 78. I think he has about 15 more spots to go to where it's like Jalen Hertz goes off the board and then boom, you have uh, Trey Lance. And the other thing that makes that easy is even though I like Elijah Moore and Devonta Smith in that range, Drake London, it still is a bit of a dead zone there at the back end of the sixth, early seventh. You're looking at the Josh Jacobs, AJ Dillon, Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen. So that just feels like a logical spot where people will feel comfortable grabbing that high upside quarterback.
And it's worth pointing out to me too, Trey Lance was going in the 100s on DraftKings for a while. Now I think he's at 92. I think that's going to come up more as well. And I'm observing too that DraftKings is just a little bit behind underdog in terms of the ADP movements, whether that be because of the way that they're released or whether that's just because DraftKings drafters are a little bit less sharp. But I'm just going to point that out for Trey Lance. Pete, I'm going to give you two picks here and we can also speed round through all of mine if you want, if you don't want to keep playing this back and forth game. No, no, I I have some too. It's also funner for me to just poke holes in yours and tell you why you're wrong. (laughs) Fair enough. It's hurtful, you, but go ahead. Give me take one oh, more guy then. Well, I'll I'll do another obvious one, and I I think it's an interesting one because if it weren't for the Julio signing, Chris Godwin would have rocketed up because we're starting mm-hmm. to get really bullish news on his recovery. It's been almost bizarre, you know, like all the Twitter doctors and uh, poor the Twitter doctors catching stray these days from Michael <laughs> uh, Thomas. Uh, but you know, they were like, uh, you know, nine months minimum. It would be irresponsible to rush him back. And then here we have the team saying like. Hey, he he's good to go, or or you know, an, a version of that saying that they're very optimistic he's going to be playing early on in the season. And so I think, you know, my thesis, and I talked about it in my players to target video on the Deposit Kingdom YouTube channel, was that if Chris Godwin was completely healthy, I think he would be a back into the second round pick and in, in going ahead of Mike Evans. So the Julio stuff complicates it a little bit. But I still think as we continue to get more confirmation that Godwin isn't going to miss more than, let's even say, a month and be generous, I think he has to move up at least into like the back end of the third round, and you already start seeing him creeping up. I've seen people say he's gone in the late fourth. So I think that's just a matter of time that uh, Godwin really inches up here. Yeah, I think you'd advocated too buying him when he was going in the 60s, and I started dipping in a little bit more there when Russell Gage came up to an untenable level. So I think this is really speaks to the case of what Pete's talked about a lot that I've tried to adhere to this year, just drafting all offseason long, and then you get these guys at some discounts, and you're drafting relative to the news out there. And now that Godwin's ahead of schedule, uh, not being on the pup list is a big win for him. Uh, do you want to take another pick here, Pete? Um, Let's see. Uh, another pick. I mean... Well, one that's I've just noticed, and I actually made the case against him today in the newsletter, which really pained me, um, was Ramondre Stevenson. But you could tell, so everyone on uh, Fantasy Twitter yesterday got duped by a report where it said he was running with the ones, and then everyone clarified that was like from some previous practice, and Damian Harris has still been running with it. But what I learned from that was how badly we collectively want Ramondre Stevenson to be the lead back for the Patriots. Like, Mm -hmm. everybody wants it. It's like the Tony Pollard thing, too, right? It's like we all want him to be the lead back for the Cowboys, and yet I still don't think that's the most likely outcome. But let's just put that aside. I think Ramondre's steam is going to continue to get pushed up. Like, at this point, I could see him topping out where like AJ Dillon is if we continue to get good reports because people like this offense, they know they want to run the ball and we have zero question marks about Ramondre's talent. The fact that he can catch balls, the fact that James white uh, is going to open the season on the pup list and might not play for a while. Like everyone is just fully ready for Ramondre blast off. And I really think he's going to continue to climb a few rounds. Yeah, I'm with you. I like, I have a lot of Ramondre. I'm happy to be there. His ADP started to come up. I think people are, you're, people are willing him to get where they want him to be. So I think that's a strong take. I'm going to take one more guy, Pete, that I think just is going on draft a lot. Actually, I'm going to take two back to back that I think are guys that are going to start to materialize more, not going to soar where they're going to be 10th round picks, but should be probably 15th round ish on underdog, maybe a little bit less on DraftKings. Juwan Jennings is the number two receiver for the Niners right now, or the number three, rather number two right now, because Debo's not practicing. I think he's going to get enough work to justify 
guy's existence. I think, too, if Debo or Ayuk go down, you talked about the positive reports for Ayuk. Ayuk looks great, but all it takes is them getting one of those guys down. All it takes is one of them, you know, just getting rotated in a little bit more with Jawan Jennings. He's shown the upside. He's in the mix. Like, I think he deserves to go more. And I think, to me, he's going to rise because of the Trey Lance side. People want that double stack. It's going to be hard to get Debo, but maybe hard to get Debo and Kittle together. Um, I think it's a spot where Jawan Jennings just kind of becomes that natural backdoor stack guy. So, to me, he's going to come up in a good amount. And I think I'm happy that I've taken him a lot in the 18th round. Yeah. I think um, I'm always trying to think of like the situation. It's just harder. And even with the Pickens thing, I think for wide receivers to jump up because opportunity and touches are just so much more binary with running backs where it's like, if you Hmm. lose a top receiver because of an injury or whatever, those targets generally are going to get distributed across the offense as opposed to going to one person. Whereas like, if Kenneth Walker tears his ACL, it's pretty safe to assume Rashad Penny is going to inherit like 80% of those touches. So when I'm kind of looking at risers, I, I am kind of looking at those ambiguous backfields where the market doesn't know what to do with them. I do think the Falcons are a good example of that. Like any one of Patterson or Algier, I think the Buck or uh, the Texans are a good example. Damian Pierce, Marlon Mack, and even Rex Burkhead. Like if we get really good clarity of like, this guy's running with the ones, he looks awesome, he's clearly ahead. I think where there's ambiguity, if we get any bit of certainty, like those guys can jump two, three, four rounds because the market loves certainty with running back projections. And if if we get that, those guys are going to really jump. Okay, so given that then, so I won't take the receivers, I'll save them till the end and we can speed around them because you uh, you poked holes in that thesis overall. I will take Tyler Algier here, who I've been steaming up personally, playing as him on Madden. I downloaded a custom roster, actually heard uh, from Zach, who does uh, content over at Rotoviz and NBC Sports Edge. He's like, oh, is, did you get the new Madden? I'm like, no, I just downloaded the roster so I could play as Tyler <laughs> Algier like a true degenerate. Uh, looked great in the game, Pete, and I think uh, some reports coming out from Cordero Patterson that he wants to get his touches up, but Arthur Smith, uh, Arthur Smith has pushed back saying that uh, it's more likely that he's going to be on the under of where Cordero Patterson wants his touches to be. There's a lot of positive r- rumors and innuendos around Algier. And I think as camp starts to get there more, I love the guy Pete and I'm heavily invested in him. So maybe I'm kind of doing the thing where I pop up my Bitcoin shares and hope people buy in, but I love the guy and I think he's going to take a big jump. And I think he fits the criteria that you just talked about. Yeah. And I mean, the, the early quotes too, were like, yeah, they want him to be their lead back. They don't want to give Cordero Patterson, you know, 20 touches a game. Um, so like it, it all makes sense. I think the biggest, you know, risk for Algier as a guy that doesn't profile as you necessarily a great pass catching back, you're more looking at him as an early down grinder is can the Falcons be competitive enough um, to where he's on the field a lot, or if they're getting, you know, behind in games. And then you're just getting a lot of Patterson, maybe even Damian Williams, who's competent in the past game. So that I think is the fear for Algier. Like if the Al, if the Falcons are competent, I, th- I do understand the thesis a little more. It's the same reasons I have concerns with Derrick Henry, because there's like systemic risk with the Titans just not being good and not being, you know, in contention in enough games to, to give the ball to Henry a bunch. Also, a good chat here by Historical Anomaly saying, I'm the opposite of Kyler gets my research done by playing video games. <laughs> I dug my heels in with Tyler Algier, and I will find every reason to do it. Uh, Pete, we got to hop into a draft, but I want to give you the floor to see if there's anybody else you want to throw in. And I'll, I'll name off some names, too, but I, I want to see if well, you have anybody to cover off. I do think it's pretty convenient that you just don't want to talk about the Pete Carroll Geno Smith quote. I mean, he's, uh, I he's mean, a starter. He's a starter right now. I, the whole thesis of Drew Locke is he's going to play at some point this year. I think they're going to see what they have in Geno. Wouldn't shock me if he starts week one. By week 10, I think it's Drew Locke. I mean, you're. I got to pull up the exact quote uh, because the quote was even more 
uh, damning than that. He said he said something along the lines of Geno Smith has the QB one role and he's not looking back. <laughs> it was his well, you say because he's pumping him up. Pete Carroll's the ultimate cheerleader. That's what he's doing. It did fill me with some concern that like it's not like an well, it is like an Atlanta situation when Marcus Mariota they said as a starter he's taking all the first team reps. I kind of thought it'd be oh they're splitting first team reps, seeing what they're doing. Like even Pittsburgh did. I think a three way split with Trubisky with Mason Rudolph and with Pickett. Um, so that doesn't make me feel great. But I just don't. You're gonna see what you have with Geno and you're gonna go oh yeah okay that's enough. Let's try Drew Lock. The problem is, is that Drew Locke is just as problematic. Like you can't act like this is Baker Mayfield or even Jimmy Garoppolo here. Here's the, here's the quote here. Uh, as we get inundated with into it, quick, but ads, uh, day uh, trip. Yeah, <laughs> no free ads. Uh, Gino's in the lead right now. He's ahead. Coach Pete Carroll told reporters he ain't looking back. He's going for it. And Drew's not going to take a back seat. So something's going to happen. Jake Easton will be here if we need it. But I mean, this the, the he ain't looking back part. I mean, Pete Carroll doesn't want Drew Locke to be his quarterback. No, but he's saying like Drew Locke's not going to give up. Like he's just setting up a heavyweight title fight, a clash of the Titans between the Seahawks QBs. And I think that's Den Den says it all. What if Drew Locke is the guy you need? Pete, I think based on what we know, a rushing QB who throws deep, he just needs a chance. Yeah. I mean, like, have you been putting your money where your mouth is? Are you still drafting Drew Locke in drafts or is this a bit? As people saw on Friday with he who shall now be named, who should not be named in the chat, uh, I did try to draft Drew Locke, set up a three-man uh, stack with Seattle there with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and also Noah Fant. So yeah, I'm willing to take him now, and I'm definitely willing to buy the dip when it aligns. He's probably not, probably not a QB, a two QB build kind of guy, Pete. But I think we knew that from day one with Drew Locke. All right, all right. Um, are we? Who am I hosting the account, or you want to do a draft today? Um, no, we can do it on yours today because I actually didn't update my brick exposures, and I'll update them for tomorrow's solo stream so you can check them out on there. It gives people a reason to come over to the Splash Play channel. Of course, we're marching towards a thousand subs, and of course, when we do hit a thousand subs, Pete has to join me on a Friday stream, have a few drinks, get a little weird with it, as I'm sure you might today on the randomizer with Daigle coming up in a few hours as well. Yes, uh, I'm not promising any drinking. I believe I have to drive. Uh, well, you're just getting weird. Just, yeah, just it, it will be weird. I, I got one of the best randomizer prop suggestions. Waz said in that Daigle has to do the next two rounds of the draft with his face, his lips touching the mic the entire time. I love that. Also, people are confused by the tiny hats. If you missed the intro, which was, uh, of course, a tour de force as always, um, I did, in fact, say that we did get 1,000 followers on Twitter. We're also closing in on 1,000 on YouTube. So that's why it is, in fact, a celebration here. <laughs> Some names, Pete, that we didn't get to in my list. I'm going to throw them out to you one by one. Kene Nguanu, I think, is a guy yeah. I need to start taking for the Vikings, given that I'm so heavily exposed on Alex Madison, and I've been making this bet against Alvin Cook. And our pal Arif Hassan at Vikings camp said that Nguanu looked like the second fastest guy there behind Dalvin Cook. I worry Madison's going to get cut, and I'm going to be stuck with 25% Madison. So for me, it's Kene season. Well, yeah, it's funny you say that because I heard uh, it took me off guard. I heard Sean Siegel say he read something or that in, in Ben Gretsch on Stealing Bananas that there was a rumor that Madison could be a surprise cut candidate, which mm -hmm. I still seem uh, think is highly unlikely. But I mean, if if we continue to hear stuff like this and you hear positive reports where they trust uh, in Guano, um, that it's interesting. It is interesting. I think you should probably be sprinkling them in at the end of drafts, like you said, if you're heavily exposed to Madison. 
Another guy I'll throw out, Wandale Robinson or Juan Dolly, as Pete will call him. Uh, he is part of the Giants receiving group, which does mean that Darius Slayton, another guy I saw Adam Levitan over at ETR tweeting, could be a cut candidate. Uh, but it is seeming like Robinson's with the starting group. He barely gets drafted still. I think that's insane because he's like KJ Hamler, but a mystery box KJ Hamler. Yeah. Um, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Um, the chat noticing only one badge, bro. I did kind of slow roll uh, entering this on the screen and uh, glad to see it worked out. Yeah, starting with two running backs, I feel like bodes well for this room for us. Yeah, Mikey's not going to give us a Jamar Chase gift, though. Oh, um, I mean, I don't mind taking Eckler as my anchor normally, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind reaching either for a receiver if you want. Let's do a little Eckler. Let's do a little Eckler. <laughs> you want to do Derrick Henry? <laughs> no. Are you taking any Derrick Henry? I didn't see the exposure. 5%. We'll take a seat. Even like I get shit, you know, for, you know, being a running back lover. I'm, I'm underweight on all these guys. You know, I'm taking stands. I'm basically exactly overweight on digs that I am underweight on these. So I'm still picking my spots uh, with these dudes. Um, some other names, Pete, I have for you. DJ Chark also running with the starters in Detroit. I think uh, being talked up a lot in the athletic as the deep ball target, people are going to remember that he had the one good year for Jacksonville. I know you said wide receivers don't get steamed up as much, but I do think DJ Chark, another guy who could take a jump up because he's getting drafted too low for what we know of him historically. I agree. DJ Chark's one of my favorite wide receivers in that range. And I, I guess that's not saying a lot to DJ Chark because it's a pretty gross range of drafts for wide receiver. One thing that I kind of, it like, I'm, I like Jamison Williams. I do think his and DJ Chark's ADP should be flipped. You know, the rookie who's coming back from injury, I think should be going more in like the Pickens in Chark range and Chark should be going up where he is in like the 120 to 130. So maybe if Chark continues to have a really good camp, that flippening will happen. I, I definitely took my feet off the gas with Jameson because I was like, everyone's letting Godwin slip and there's far less concern, I think, about Godwin because you, at least with Jameson, it's like a two-leg or with Godwin, it's a single-leg parlay. He just comes back healthy. We know he's good. Jameson, there's still like, he's a rookie. There's an, a black box element to it. So his price being so expensive is a little weird to me and maybe Chark uh, can fix that for us. Yeah. The athletic article where they were talking of Chark Little was saying that Jameson Williams wants to be back, but they're trying to slow him down so he doesn't, I guess, get ahead of his recovery time. So it's possible he gets in time this year to, to be useful, but does he like Josh Reynolds is the, the lone line who doesn't get drafted. And I'm not saying that because of my historical touting of him, but um, he's been getting talked up enough that if you want a backdoor line sack, you want to get it real cheap. I think you could take Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark and feel okay wow. about it getting leverage. Trying to double down on your, your infamous Josh Reynolds take. I mean, look, somebody's got to talk him up out there. Uh, another guy, Pete, soaring up a little bit. Traylon Burks, who we knew you said he would. Um, he looked good in camp, and I think the quote was that he looks every bit the first-round pick. Uh, people were talking him down because of asthma. He's at the 115 range ADP-wise on DraftKings. I think he's a monster. I'm so glad with my Traylon Burks exposure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's a smash at – I liked him at pick 75. I thought he was a smash at pick 90. And if you guys are on random sites, getting them at 115, God bless your souls. And <laughs> uh, we got a pick coming up here, but I have a couple ones that you're going to disagree with. I think I have one you're going to disagree with. I think to close this out, so that, I'll tease that out. Oh, on a camp riser? Yeah, I did, I got a lot of camp. I'm telling you, man, I read every word on the athletic about training camp. Like I'm locked in on information consumption, if not the knowledge deployed from it. 
I know. I has someone I need someone to do like a, a very comprehensive summary so I don't have to scroll through Twitter. Is, is someone doing like a full camp report summary? Sounds um, like a fancy life newsletter should be doing. <laughs> so uh I yeah, I mean I have 21% Debo, but how much Debo do I have with Austin Eckler? Not that much. I have you know some. What? I need I need you to vamp because I need a glass of water. I'm okay, so I'll vamp here. My last guy that uh, – actually, one guy that I think Pete might not disagree with, but I mentioned him briefly, Marcus Mariota, confirmed starter for Atlanta. I think because of the fact that Kyle Pitts and Drake London get drafted pretty highly, people believe in them. Uh, I've talked about my buying on the Falcons winning the South, and I think that's a situation that uh, you can make that bet sometimes in the hopes that the 45-year-old Tom Brady just doesn't stay upright. Uh, but also, maybe things run bad for the Bucks. They're bringing in a lot of different guys with Rudolph and Jones, all those guys chasing titles. That is something we've seen historically not work out across sports uh so for me mariota's a guy i would take makes the jump and pete a guy that i think you'll push back on the most Nikhil harry is running with the starters and the bears already he is their lone big bodied receiver he's playing outside he's six four i think he can get there just by sheer will of justin fields improving no i mean this bags this is where you have to it's like a game of apples to apples where you also have to read your opponents too and what they like i mean you thought Denzel Mims is a tough sell on the public to get steamed. I mean, people are so done with Nikhil Harry. I mean, I was the biggest Nikhil Harry stan there was, one of the biggest ones. I was holding on for dear life, and even I don't want anything to do with him. I dare you to try to get even one drafter in a single room to want to select him, much less enough to move his ADP up. This is an awful one, Spags. I think he goes from being not drafted at all to drafted in the 17th and 18th reliably. Is that enough to make a jump? No, but does it mean he should be on your radar? I think so. I still think they're good. People are going to prefer Pringle and Velas Jones to, uh, to Harry. But I think the Velas Jones thing, like people are going to start to realize, oh yeah, this guy is just not going to be anything. And Nikhil Harry at least comes in with a pedigree and, and being six, four, like does matter when you have a team full of short receivers and Cole Komet. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, we, the, the whole thing was, you know, even as like the big bodied outside wide receiver, I mean, we saw like literally what is the better version of Nikhil Harry, Allen Robinson, just absolutely fail in that role. How do we expect Nikhil Harry to succeed? He didn't want to be there though. And it was a different coaching regime. Like, I don't know. I, I think, I think it's worth drafting some, you know, maybe you don't need to get to 8% Nikhil Harry, but I would take some, especially if you are buying it on Justin Fields. And I was in a draft this morning, Pete on DraftKings. Somebody took Justin Fields 50 picks ahead of ADP. So I think people do buy in on Justin Fields. Is something happening with the Chargers receivers? Like, are the correlation bros gone? Because Keenan and uh, Williams used to always go around the 2-3 turn. And now, like, I got Mike Williams at, like, the 3-9 last night. I'm I'm happy with uh, him uh, or Keenan here. I would take Mike Williams, personally. I, I'm more of a Mike Williams over Keenan guy. Like, I think... I like that Williams has the lower ADP because I can always get him. But um, Keenan falls a lot, I feel like, in every draft. I think people think he's older than he is. Yeah, it's just interesting that I wonder if this is a reflection, too, of, you know, we're starting to get more drafters, um, new drafters to BBM3, and a lot of the early drafters, and I don't know, hot dog suit, you know, how, how did this happen? But they were all taking, you know, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen with their their Cooper Cup teams, and now you see a guy here take Josh Allen. Like if that if that does not signal, all right, I'm going to pass on the correlation in the wide receiver here to reach on Josh Allen, I feel like we might be in a, a new era of uh, these BBM three drafts. 
I mean, isn't this what, I guess, part of why you guys always advocate for a barbell? And I say you guys, like the people who've been doing best ball for years, like I'm certainly a carpet bagger coming in with my DFS background and hoping that I can turn it into something. But I think like with what you've said before is that in August, the drafts get more casuals in. You also have more information, so you have more to play against them. And I feel like I see a lot of the mistakes made that I saw people making in rooms when I was first starting to draft heavy in like May, right after the draft, um, the NFL draft. And I think it's something where it is just the rooms getting dumber a little bit, as long as, as well as the fact that you didn't get a stream room today, you got like a normal people room. Yeah. I had, um, I don't know if it was last night or two nights. I've been basically doing a BBM three draft every night and it was one of the more wild rooms I had. Like I was, uh, again, I'm blanking on the guys I can pull it up, but a couple guys, I got just like 25 picks at past ADP that normally don't fall. I think it was Devonta Smith. I'm like, Devonta Smith never falls in these regular rooms. Like there's some of the more like buzzy guys, like the guys we collectively seem to like the younger second year wide receivers, et cetera. Like, yeah, they might fall five picks, but I was like, the texture of these rooms is, is starting to feel different. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, and I think uh, certainly, you know, I know Pete can't advocate it as much because he's getting that big underdog money now, even even bigger by the week, it seems. Uh, but DraftKings, I think too, you're going to find really even less sharp drafts. So I think playing on both sides would be my personal recommendation as much as you can, but underdog, you're going to have a much better time, and um, especially in these soft rooms. All right, so let's see what we are wanting to do here this is an interesting, I mean, we can certainly justify Herbert here with our investment in Eckler and Williams. Um, or do you want to also a chance falls and take Gabe? Right. And that's, that's what I would, I would say too, is like, I'm, I'm always willing to push it. You want to push it? <sighs> yeah, I would push it. Let's push it. Gabe or never have. Yeah. You don't ever have to sell me on. I'm like, I'm a little spooked on Robinson. Really? I do. Pre I do prefer Gabe to him. Um, I know we have the correlation, all that, yada, yada. Um, Robinson getting some I, nice camp reviews so far, too. I mean, again, it doesn't matter, but the, there was a specific call out of him looking great so far. I know. I, I saw Robert Mays, I think, right, in The Athletic, was just mm -hmm. saying he's just having the most incredible camp. Um, I was hearing, I was listening to Sean Siegel talk about him, and obviously I, I hold everything that Sean says in really high esteem, but he was kind of saying that, the scenarios where Allen Robinson kind of smashes his ADP, like is a bet against Cooper cup, basically, mm -hmm. um, which makes sense to me. Like if Cooper cup, isn't getting that massive target share and it's more of a one, a one B situation, that's, that's where Allen Robinson basically returns like second round value. And so it does make you a little queasy to bet on Cooper against Cooper cup. So I don't know. I feel, I still feel like Allen Robinson is kind of being drafted close to a ceiling right now. Like I think he can give us what Odell Beckham, gave us down the stretch where he's like a factor in the red zone. We know he has that role, but he still seems to me more like a five to six target a game guy with a red zone role than this target hog in this offense coming at the expense of Cooper cup. You know, Robert Woods was still getting targets. Like that's the one thing that stood out to me from some of what I've seen people talking about and how this Rams offense could function. So I think there's room for Robinson to get there. And then you're basically saying the Cooper cup runs slightly less good on touchdowns or they score more points, both of which I think are completely plausible. So I think there's room for Robinson to get there and still have cup be good. It's just like, I think it's like, I think it's the most likely outcome that one of chase or, or Jefferson passes cup up this year, just because cup kind of levels out. And those guys like, those guys are young and more athletic and also in offenses that should be better. And I think those are things that like stand out to me is like, that's how cup is not quite as good. He's not wide receiver one, but he's still like a top receiver. Yeah. And like Joey says here, I, I agree with this, but the bar for Stafford elevating a Rob to his best year ever is so low. Like I think a Rob delivering on his fifth round ADP 
would like merit his best year ever. And so I'm just saying, I don't see scenarios where he smashes it. God damn it, Mike. <laughs> there was no reason for Mikey to there do There was that. no reason for him to do that. Uh, but I'm happy to take Deontay Johnson here at pick 54. So you wouldn't take Robinson now either. But we can because yeah. correlation bros. Yeah, week 17 is all that matters, Peter. I'm right, I'll do it. <laughs> nothing, nothing. This is what I end up doing on shows. I build up this monster case against someone and then begrudgingly select them. Deontay, it worries me a little bit that the Steelers don't seem to want to pay him and he's doing, so there's a couple guys. We didn't talk about this in the news items because we ran real long in the beginning and that's on me. Uh, but the, the hold ins are going on right now where DK Metcalf is not practicing. He's a hold in Debo Samuel is uh, trying to get his contract. He's also a hold in and Deontay Johnson is one too, but the Steelers don't seem to want to pay him at all. And it kind of reads like it could be bad because they have so many replacements for him if he isn't on the field. Yeah. I'm I'm tilting this Herbert pick. I'm sorry. I'm just like <laughs> it this. was it was bullshit by Mikey because I the guy who was after us I thought we had to worry about because he had Keenan Allen. There was no reason for Mikey to take Justin Herbert. You know what? I, I my guess is Mikey badge bro value hound here 44 53 yeah. Kamara. No, he reached on Kamara. All right, he was taking everyone at ADP and then decided to turn into a value hound with Herbert. Mikey, well, he just come out of the you. chat. Mikey, I know you're fucking in the chat right now. You are always in the chat. It's the the law of splash play drafts. If we bring you up in a move you did, you will emerge from the chat. The one badge bro in this draft tilting me. <laughs> I honestly, I some of these people do play defensive drafting too. Like, cause they, that's just like part of the ethos of like, oh, if I could lightly fuck this guy and give myself a good player too. Like they're still doing that part. I think that could be it too, where he saw we were going to get him as a nice value and was just like, no, I got to get, I got to throw myself in front of this bus for the good of the draft. Bullock trying to catch me in some gotcha journalism. Pete, you were the guy saying picking elite QBs after ADP, even though you don't have the earlier stack partners. You can go look at my teams and ask me if I pull that bullshit with only one wide receiver on my roster heading into the fifth round. And boy, would I never. No, it's that was a spite. That was like either a spite pick or an ignorance pick. I do like the idea, though, of Mikey being like one of the few people in the best ball community who just despise you. And he's just watching it like, I'm going to get him here. Oh, that's so cute. Saying what of the people, only people who despise me, Spags. You have I don't no think idea. there are a lot. You make more friends than enemies. I think I think I tilt a lot of I, there's a lot of uh, secret Peter tilt uh, from what my sources tell me. Oh, for years, years <laughs> of the ground, people coming back and like, you're not going to believe what so-and-so said. Uh, trust me, I'm in, I'm in my own group chats. I, I know how this stuff works. Oh, all right, interesting. I just, I'm here to make friends, guys, and be mean to the fantasy <laughs> talk guy. Those, those two things equally. Hmm. Uh, and tomorrow's stream, you'll see more of that because I can't help myself in a two-hour stream of having to fill airtime without, without making fun of somebody. Let's see here. Um, we are going to be okay. I'm happy with Amon Ra here at 67. Okay, I look. I look. I'm more receivers. I do wish we had an elite tight end, but we don't. So uh, nobody's on the board that makes any sense on that front. Yeah, but I see. I think. I think this is how we we think about things a little differently. I do prefer an elite tight end, but I get excited when I get these drafts because it's like, what other rooms am I going to get? you know, Allen Robinson at pick 54 and Amon Ra at 67, it, the, the six, seven pick slides like mm. uh, seem small on the surface, but they add up and it'll just push us to a different construction and a different build. And there are a ton of strong tight ends, you know, in this, in this tier coming here. So um, I'm with you. I'm overweight on all those elite tight ends, but uh, I think we can do some good stuff here uh, in these middle areas. 
I can live with not getting it. It's just nice when I can do it whenever I can. And, and it doesn't hurt that I love that Niners Raiders game, as we've talked about enough times on the show. And a lot of people do industry wide. So it's not like I'm it's a special snowflake for that. Um, I just feel more comfort with everything I've seen data wise that having an elite tight end is the benefit. And and I've also seen enough holes poked in like the TJ Hawkins into the world now where I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that is fair that it could be tough for him to live up to that. Dalton Schultz, too. Like everybody shits on the non elite tight ends in a way that just gives me a little bit of pause. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm still feeling like we should have taken Deontay Johnson. He slid all the way to pick 59. Is this because of the George Pickens hype? Because was there anything about Deontay Johnson that would send him? I I think it's that he's not fully practicing, I think is it too, where people think, I think people don't love contract news. Um, He's he's on the pup list though. On on DK, people will not draft guys because they have out on their screen. Like, this morning, I, again, I did one draft this morning. Marquise Brown went 20 picks by an ADP because he has out next to his name. So yeah. I think that's something to be mindful of. If these guys are on an out thing or like it's not going to happen as much on underdog, but like that's huge for people in their psychology. Yeah. Um, let's continue to tilt Trey Lance unstacked at pick 71 and then he double tap. Well, I mean, the T Higgins stack there. Uh, quarterbacks getting uh, sucked up here. Um, this is a pretty gross range. I'm probably taking Sanders or Pollard here unless there's anything else you're saying. I mean, I wouldn't mind taking Russ and then trying to backdoor something for Denver. Um, we could, but, yeah, yeah. I don't mind that. Because otherwise we're going to be like going the golf route late. And I feel like we could still get some upside here. And you get Tim Patrick, you can get Nakui Bonham, you can get Dulcich. Yeah, normally that's like a slightly easier click if we have a chief, you know, on the roster. Yeah. Now we kind of really have to work to get that backdoor stack. But if there were two teams you wanted to have plenty of options for, it would be the Broncos and Chiefs. So definitely doable. You know who I've been seeing go up a little bit in drafts? Um, like again, manually, just me being in enough draft rooms. Hunter Renfro starting to get taken a little bit more because I think people are buying into the Raiders and then seeing some of the numbers too. Where I think you might have been one of your podcasts, I think, where you're talking about, or somebody was talking about Renfro and like he was like a leading red zone target guy, um, one yeah. of the highest in the league, despite the fact he's not that big. Um, I think the the Raiders offense, we might have said this on a show. I think there's a lot of buy-ins over there. And also the three receiver for them is wide open where it's Demarcus Robinson and Mac Hollins competing for time on the floor with or on the field with with Renfro, with uh, Devontae Adams, and with Waller. There's one receiver who's gonna bubble up from the Raiders too. And I think like that whole offense, I, I just love it all. And I'm glad I got it where I did in the drafting season. Yeah, that's another one where I think the market is loves both you know, Adams and Waller and feels pretty confident in Renfro. I just don't know how much room there is without an injury for those guys to move up. This is an interesting question. Uh, Joey says, where do y'all think Russell Gage should be going now? I've been buying the dip hard. Um, I need, I need a big dip. Like I'm talking like Tim Patrick level dip uh, range. I, I don't, I don't know how you can justify. You were only hanging your hat on volume um, now you introduce Julio, you have Godwin on a really encouraging time frame. I just, I just don't know how you're drafting him any higher than like pick 110 right now. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, he's still cool to me in like the 90 to 100 range, but I, Julio being there is not great. Rudolph too is like a bigger part of this offense, at least in terms of like how they're talking to him in the media and all that, where like he took the number that, that Julio Jones would have wanted Jersey wise, Kyle Rudolph did. Uh, there's enough guys taking targets away. The same token, though, Gage got the biggest contract out of all of them by a wide margin, so that's got to matter for something to to you know to draft him still. Yeah, and also with Gage too, you're you're hoping for those PPR 
thing. So obviously yeah. on DraftKings, I think that's going to be slightly more attractive. The like the half point PPR getting squeezed from every which direction without a lot of touchdown expectation. I don't know. He's just I, I didn't like him at all here. We'll 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 see how far this draft room lets him fall. He's still not even attractive to me here. Um, I will say uh, Hawk or Ceh is interesting to me. I, I think Hawk probably with this uh, Detroit yeah. build. I think Hawk makes sense. Yeah, no. If we already had a tight end, uh, I think I would push for Ceh. But I mean, we we now can set up a Jared Goff double, and we give ourselves a chance to let uh, Ceh fall if the room continues to hate him. What was the two v two when I made you take Russ? Because we could have waited on Stafford potentially. I guess if he comes back, and that makes me wonder what we could have gotten instead. Um, that was the thing is we were kind of looking at Sanders and Pollard were the only other kind of selections we were going to maybe take. It doesn't kill me to lose out on either, even though you did write up Zeke today. So I guess if there were a day to go against that, I'd be going with Tony Pollard today. Yeah. You gave a real case for Zeke in the fantasy life newsletter. I saw you're really stumping. Did Willis get a guest spot writing that one up? You know what? I found like I did it today. I wrote that it was so disgusting for me to do. I do like the exercise of making cases against what you it's like i don't i don't fucking like zeke but like it is good it's a good exercise to like interrogate and actually put your thoughts down on paper and the same thing with Ramondre. i love fucking Ramondre, but you like i can build a case against any player pretty much you know like just don't ask me to like build a case against jamar chase or something but you know outside of that i think you can make a, a pretty good case against a lot of players and it really helps crystallize your thoughts so I, I do appreciate those exercises i would say that was always one of my favorite matthew barry columns of course the fantasy life namesake where he would do like the 100 stats and just kind of put them out there and it's like you could read whatever you wanted to this you could read too much or you can just take it as what it is and i think that always has been a, a case that you could make is like you know you could take the data and put it whatever you want if you want to buy in on the projections and all of that well, like i know a lot of people are then yeah you'll probably love zeke because he's gotten a ton of touches and was also really good before he got hurt last year but if you buy what like his contract is ending tony pollard's younger tony pollard's look better in every carry every catch um you can make the case either way and it's just you know, which side of the aisle do you fall on politically yeah and my again my thing is again like i have no problem playing the zeke thing from a portfolio angle like i would guess that in the two to three weeks leading up to the start of the season, I will have 0% Zeke. But basically my, my thesis is like, if he's just going to, if I thought he was just going to sit in the fourth round, um, I would continue to kind of just like fade him. But if the market's telling me, I think he's going to move up into the third round, which is kind of the vibes I'm getting from these training camp reports and people kind of buying in a little bit more, then it's like, all right, I'll take a few stabs here because it's the same thing with Kamara. It's like, I, I don't mind him at the back end of the third. I know I'm not going to be drafting him in the second. Um, all right, let's see here. I think we grabbed Stafford here. Yeah, I think it's a nice little value. Yeah, we got Stafford. We got that game stack going, and now we can um, we can be done at quarterback. I love that. I know I've, I've talked about the road of his QB ideal zone. They talk about with the QBs around 6 through 13, generally having some of the higher win rates across fan ball data and some other stuff. But I always love, like, if you get guys in this range here, like, and you really commit to taking them every time, like, we got Wilson and Stafford and granted we have to figure out the Denver stack parts, but like that's really high upside QB play, even though like we didn't take the guys who would have stacked with our current receivers. Like it would be nice to get Lance or Burrow or whatever. Um, we didn't get those guys, but I feel like we have as much upside with Wilson and Stafford. 
Yeah, no, I feel very comfortable with that combo. I'm I'm kind of like legit stunned. The entire chat loves Gage. Gage is mm -hmm. a slot guy that always gets massive volume. Gage seems like the hedge for Godwin. Um, not going to be overweight on him, but I think Gage benefits no matter what. You shouldn't be able to get 90 catches, 1,000 yards, 6 TDs uh, in the 10th round like you're about Ooh. to get with Gage. I mean, I did, I did not know that we had cultivated a viewing community that fucking strapped on six condoms when they draft. I mean, Russell Gage is the ultimate uh, small miss, small win player that doesn't move the needle, that's getting squeezed by both ends, that is going to get usurped as the season progresses. There is nothing to like about Russell Gage at this current ADP. No, and they also added, like, part of the reason Gage went up was Gronk being out, so that opens up more targets in the middle of the field. Not only are we getting Godwin coming back healthier than people expected, but you also have Rudolph being added. You still have enough rookies in the Tampa Bay offense. You still have Bright there. Like, there are so many guys that pull from Gage, and, and I've been a Gage fan when he was in Atlanta. Like, I probably wrote him a little bit too early uh, before last year where he finally started to break out. Like, I just don't see the upside, especially in half point PPR. Like I think you're talking a good year for him is like five catches for 60 yards per game like this year. And I don't, I don't even think that could happen necessarily. No, I can't devote any more of this. These airwaves, man, that's crazy. I didn't, I, it's funny when you do shows like this though, cause you really get to see like the, the ground level, like what people think. And I think that's always been the fun part when I was doing the Osmo streams too. Like, you know, people are playing on a given night cause they will get adamantly worked up in a chat. And like, if your stance was, um, hang on, let's, you know, I, I, I do love Garrett Wilson, but we got to lock up uh, a stack yeah. here. And I think Patrick too, he's the Cortland Sutton hedge to me. Like, and we didn't take Sutton or Judy. So we're saying those guys kind of come down and, and Patrick's going to be out there and I, we can get Hamler or Kui Boonham late. Like we got, we got a pretty good hedge on the Denver stack. This is, let me circle back to the gauge thing. I think yeah. if you have a heavy bag of gauge right now, you played it wrong. If you want to tell me that you're ready to buy the dip on gauge now, um, I think that is a little bit more acceptable to me. But gauge's ADP was always influenced by the Chris Godwin bearish injury timeline. And people were basically saying, oh, look at these six to eight weeks of, you know, full slot wide receiver production I'm going to get from gauge. And then I counter in BBM three, that first six to eight weeks is the most meaningless production that you're going to get the way this tournament is structured. So it, there was always going to be a correction on that ADP. And we also knew there were other landmines. It wasn't just Julio. There's the chance that Gronk comes back, which impacts how people feel about Gage's target projection. So I think he was the ultimate fish pick. If you want to start grabbing him now, when he slides to pick, you know, 9,500, I can kind of see it. But I really do think packing gauge bags before this was was really bad. Yeah, I got gauge 5%. It looks like I'm looking at my brick hut, of course, uh, which you can get for yourself at brick75.com. I think he's got a two-day trial going, and it's uh, worth putting on the screen as Peach just showing you guys here. Um, I got gauge at 90 overall ADP and 5% of them. So, like, I got him in a discount relative to, six to whatever, the 69, 68 range he was going. And now, like, I'll buy back in again if he gets to, like, 110. Like, I think that was the move. And even my 90, like, I feel like I could have gotten better here by just waiting a little bit longer. So, people who got him in, like, the 50s and 60s, like, pray for your teams because i don't think there's any shot and i'm gonna pray for you at night i'm gonna pray for the russell gage drafters <laughs> the guy's still doubling down on him i'm gonna pray so hard for you guys tonight what's your exposure on gauge i didn't see that on the screen i think four percent four percent oh but you don't have the adp i love having the adp number to know where i've been taking a guy because i mean especially for content i feel like for you pete like you, you can really have some egg on your face or you could look like a genius i this is why i don't mind hanging it out 
all here in the uh, laundry. I'm just not that fun because I'm the I'm the too scared to have player takes guy. So you see all my smoothed out exposures here. Why don't you just take a fucking stand, Peter, like a man? You can't win with structure. Draft the best players. Uh, I wanted Ronald Jones there. We can't take Isaiah Spiller. Cole Komet would be a fun bring back in our kind of Detroit, Chicago little mini there. Anything else you're saying? I mean, Darrell Henderson, I guess we could take. Um, I mean, because we're not, because we took, uh, you know, honestly, I think Komet makes sense too. Yeah, let's yeah, do Komet. Let, Komet. You yeah, love let's Cole do Komet. Komet. And w- that we are doing a, a pretty classic anchor RB build here. Running back in the first and have not selected our second running back uh, through 11 rounds. So the logic I was going to say to take uh, Damian Pierce there would be normally I think Spiller is going to look like the better player a lot, but we made the bet on Eckler. So I think you take Damian Pierce. So, you know, leverage against what you might normally not do. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but Cole Komet's pretty solid there. Yeah. See, Alan says he got Gage at 141 on first day of BBM and three. I'll, I'll rubber stamp that one uh, for you. That sounds nice. That's about <laughs> Oh, you know, there's another guy we didn't talk about in the training camp. ADP is going to go up. Brian Robinson is going to go up because he sometimes doesn't get drafted at all. And he's the short yardage back. And they've outright said like they're putting him and he's going to run between the tackles because they don't want to hurt Gibson. I think that's really bad for Gibson and, and really good for Brian Robinson. Oh man, we disagree on these. I just really have Brian, Brian Robinson is like a, a poor man's like Ramondre where he's going to get squeezed from both directions, right? Where, it's like he's not going to have a huge pass catching role because of McKissick, you know, even if Gibson goes down, I just, I have a hard time seeing him really stepping into a big role. He's got 192 ADP on underdog. I, I think that can come up a little bit. And I think to me, he's like a zero RB guy because he's going to have weeks where he gets the end zone twice, like gets one catch. And like, there's a lot of ways that Robinson, I think can bail you out of the zero RB build and give you enough upside week to week and also still matter come week 17. Um, so I, yeah, I'm buying in on that a lot. Like the fact he's already getting first team work and he's a rookie. Like, I think that bodes well. Yeah, I'm I'm even uh, on the field with him. You can tell I clearly prefer McKinnon and Deontay Foreman. I spread out my bets a lot down here, but I just think like the contingent upside for a guy like Foreman is just so much cleaner uh, than Robinson. But uh, apparently, again, you egg on my face. I actually, if you would have said Pete, how much Brian Robinson do you think you have? I think I would have said like six or seven percent. So ten percent is kind of surprising. Maybe uh, subconsciously, I like him more than I thought. It's funny. How much do you think I have based on how we argued those points? <laughs> oh, my. Is this where you only have like 7%? I have 11%. Okay. Right. 1% more go. for you, more than you. And we both really defended our sides. Like we were two soldiers battling it out. This is what you guys, I mean, this is why we, we do content because we just have to talk about something. It is a testament to our abilities on that front, I guess. And uh, particularly Ari saying he hopes that I push Gibson down. I actually have some Gibson because he falls enough. Um, I've got 5% Gibson at a 68.4 ADP. So like I get oh, there. We're back on the clock and Henderson comes back. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that's just do that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great pick there at 139 with our big uh, Rams. So we now we got Stafford with Hendo and Robinson and then Eckler and Mike Williams coming back. Yeah, I look, I think we've built a nice team here. Like, I think there was a bit of an unconventional route because I made you take Wilson early. But like, I think we got more talent because of that choice. I, I didn't I didn't push back on that because I hadn't really considered it. But then once you brought it up, I'm glad you did because I do think that was the right avenue for this team. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I know you didn't push back that much, which I was kind of surprised by. Um, but I just like getting Russ. Like I think I think there's going to be a Russ rise as well. Like I don't, he couldn't justify being the training camp riser guy, but like people are already hyping him up. Oh, they're going to let Russ cook, and then even if they don't let him cook, he's going to be put in great, great positions because of what Hackett's going to do and a lot of play action. And Gordon and Javon's are going to look great. It's going to open up Russ to get picture perfect throws downfield. Like you're going to see a lot of that, I think, and and people are going to fall in love with Russ because of the the previous archetypes as well. Yeah, and I mean. Yeah, the in the the thing that's interesting, I guess with Russ, I mean, I am getting a little spooked about Hamler. I mean, I'm, I'm massively overweight on him, or at least massive by my standards. Um, so I do like specifically getting a, a Patrick share with him uh, here because I, you got to assume if like Hamler is um, banged up or doesn't produce, I mean, Patrick has to be the biggest beneficiary of that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they all kind of would benefit too because Judy could then be in the slot a little bit more, um, which I think would be a positive for him. But uh, I, look, I think there's a lot of ways you could stack Denver. Like they're a really appealing stack candidate because you can get Dulcich in the last round, you can get a Kui Boonham now at a discount, you can get Hamler in the last round. Um, a lot of ways to get there, and I think a lot of outs for that that stack overall. Um, I like how this is shaking out for us. I feel like we're in a nice uh, little running back pocket here. Um, it's always nice when the queue kind of lines up with your structural needs, which isn't always the case, depending on the draft room. And Tyler Algier waiting there. You're 13% Tyler Algier for you, Pete. I'm, I'm happy you're getting a little bit of a taste, 5% more than the public will have. Yeah. I mean, well, this is what happens when you have zero RB builds is like, you're going to be mm-hmm. overweight these, uh, these running backs here. God, I wish I could see your ADPs. Like I'm so, I, this is the one mystery box left for your content we, career. I just want to see your. No, we can. I'll next time I update it, I'll include it. Um, I I like Hines here a lot at pick 150. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the leverage against the fact that we didn't get Taylor in the first round, which I I always support. So um Heinz too is talking up Matt Ryan a lot in the athletic article for him and like yeah we're going to be great this year thanks to Matt Ryan like he Hines is like the the kid in high school who's not really in the click but hanging out with him uh but I want to believe that they actually do use Naheem Hines this year instead of just giving more Jonathan Taylor touches yeah I still I'm still such a sucker for Hines um because he's he's just unique in that he's going to have a bit of a pass catching role but he's also shown the ability to have explosive plays you know, he's not the James White where you just solely need him to rack up a ton of catches um, or J.D. McKissick in that regard. So I, I like that with your pass catching back, you can kind of mix in some big plays, which is what Eckler was at the beginning of his career. You know, he was like a strictly pass catching back who had really nice um, speed as well. And then he kind of grew into a bell cow. But like Heinz's profile isn't that much different from a talent perspective. Oh, and the year before last, like he was good and was vulturing a lot of touchdowns in the past game from Taylor. So like, yeah. I think it's not crazy to imagine he could go back to that. It's just, you know, we'll, we'll see. The, the only, the only thing that gives me like full blast off on Heinz pause is Philip Lindsay there. And like Philip Lindsay is really good. And mm-hmm. I do think if Jonathan Taylor went down, I think it would be more of like a 50, 50 backfield with Lindsay handling most of the early down touches Heinz's role expanding a little bit more because you got to assume Jonathan Taylor plays some third downs. Um, but yeah, Philip Lindsay, there is like a little bit of an issue for Heinz's like 90th percentile contingent value. Oh, we could have, could we boon off the board? So there's one potential stuff, but I guess we have two tight ends already. So he probably wasn't our guy anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that that was the thing too. I know it was for our other stack candidates with Russ, but it was like I'm pretty sure we're we're done at 
I feel comfortable with with a hot commit combo. Yeah, I I feel like you could justify an 18th round Dulcich if it if that aligned in a way that made sense. Yeah, I still would probably rather just like toss on Hamler in the 18th or whatever, but I do that every draft. Uh, yeah, I, I like our build here. We got some chats. Uh, Ross lamenting 36% Madison to 3% Cook. I think that's what that's what Brick was talking about on Lowell's that really stuck with me, where it's like I got to start to flatten some of these guys out down the home stretch because um, you shouldn't have 3% Cook if you have 36% Madison. You should have at least 8% Cook, I would think. Unfortunately, Mark, uh, the first of all, the laundry list of players that have gotten cut or released and gone on to produce uh, elsewhere is uh, is very long. So we could disagree about Lindsay's talent, but it does not change the fact that he would have uh, opportunity if Jonathan Taylor went down. But uh, I definitely disagree with that take. I think Philip Lindsay is is definitely good. Um, I don't know. I probably Nico is. I know he's getting pricier. Um, I don't mind him if we want to do. Corey Davis, I don't love this running back range. No, I don't either. I mean, James Robinson's getting more expensive, so I don't want to go there. I guess I don't take much Nico. I could, I could do Nico. Yeah, I mean, the Nico steam feels warranted, you know, without Mechie, um, who I do think was going to be someone that really competed uh, for targets with him. So I don't, I don't mind. I mean, he was going what? more like 16th round. So he's really only jumped up like a round and a half post Mechie. Yeah. Alec Pierce go is down to 171. I, I just don't get that. Like to me, he fits the kind of guy that everybody falls in love with. And, and like those two games, like Detroit and Tampa Bay for him, like those, uh, actually I guess those aren't the week 16 and 17. That's what, what, what two games are those? What games? Nico? Uh, Alec, Pierce? Alec Pierce, Indy Giants. Yeah, but but he's got Detroit and at Tampa Bay on his on his HUD. Oh, maybe we ha- he, we must have a, a bug in here. Oh, uh, all right, there you go. Well, anyway, Alec Pierce should get drafted more, is what I'd say. Like, yeah. I think he's going to come up a good amount. Um, um. All right, Mark, I'll continue with this with this uh, <laughs> one sided argument. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a crazy he, take. Okay. But go ahead. Tony Pollard can't beat out Zeke. Are we are really going to use the uh, the Texans as the, uh, the the torchbearers of talent evaluation that we want to hang our hats on? They basically completely botched this at every step of the way from a from a talent evaluation perspective. So I would not use the Texans as your benchmark for whether a player is good. He also didn't stick with Miami either. Like, you know, I think sometimes the matchup doesn't fit. Like Philip Lindsay could think he's a bell cow back, and that's why he went to Indianapolis, because if Taylor goes down, they might have said, like, hey, we'll give you Taylor's workload. And there's a lot of things you don't know. And I wouldn't just assume, oh, he couldn't beat out Burkhead. Burkhead's just stoked to have a job and get paid and and be on the field. Like that was enough for him, whereas it might not have been enough for Lindsay. Yeah. Um we could list like 15 backfields where like the starting ready. I mean, give me Khalil Herbert over David Montgomery with 20 plus touches a game. We could go down the road of coaches who don't understand the talent that they have in their backfield. I mean, at this price, I'm, I'm fine to kick the tires on Gus Edwards. Um, you can tell I'm not a Darrell Williams fan. Anything else you're noticing here? Pickens, I still think will get more expensive. So I don't mind taking him. And uh, we did pass up Deontay Johnson. So I don't mind that conceptually but it's a good discount on gus yeah let's leave yeah so then that sets us up we we have our little minis i also like paris campbell with our um if we want to continue betting on the colts is an option okay yeah i don't Um, have an issue with paris campbell let's see marco says what are your thoughts on dolchich i mean this is pat corain just absolutely driving this dolchich train full steam ahead i find myself picking him up in the last rounds yeah 
I don't mind it. I definitely like it more on FFPC with tight end premium. Um, I think in a build where, again, I always go through like the logic tree, right? Do I need a three tight end build? Do I have Russ? Do I have Mahomes? You know, what do I do? I get funneled to this pick specifically because I think there's a lot of picks that go in that range that have a similar probability to him is is hitting. But if you get funneled to that construction, I don't mind it. In same way, the Spags I like talks through kind of the logic of like, oh, I faded a Kui Boonham. All right, maybe this is a team where you take Dolchich. Like, if you're right on that call, what would be the reasons why you were right on that? Maybe it's Dolchich is is really good and they can't keep him off the field. Yeah, and I think too that's you know uh, Silva and I think Levitan were talking up uh, Okui Boonham and just like he's a gigantic dude like they think he can hold off Dulcich. I think getting shares of both guys makes sense to me. Like they drafted Dulcich with great draft capital. He was also the best pass catching tight end in the draft. He's going to be playing with Russell Wilson, who um, has maybe not made a lot of tight ends, but has had a few good years with those guys. Um, we got a chat from Brick in the in the chat by the way. Peter super chat if you want to read that one. Yeah, I uh, I tagged Liam in the Discord about. I just didn't know he was going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel for guests so quickly in his streaming career. I felt bad. Uh, I told him I was busy when he first asked me to come on stream, and uh, Liam, I'll come back on. Like if you're this, you know, bet out of shape for guests. I, I mean, I, I apologize. I, I don't want you to have to resort to this. Is there a serious beef with Tanner Tolbert, or are we just doing a bit? Oh no! I mean, the 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 cheater and bachelor contested. Do you have nice things to say about Tanner? Are, is he a confirmed cheater or is he a suspected cheater? Oh, so you're you're on the Jade uh, filed a uh, hundred fifty vax into that contest side of things. I mean, I, me, me and my pal Chris Randone have talked about it enough, and we've oh, been yeah. supporting bachelor contest. No, I I don't know. Yeah, like, Randone, one of the most reliable narrators there is. Liam just wants the views. Like, I get it. He's he's chasing Splash Play. He's chasing Spike Week. He's got to catch up somehow. And, you know, it's the million dollars is only going to get you so far. Bachelor contestants are the way to, to do that. Is it? I, I We need to ask Osimo how that experiment worked out. Uh, I mean, like, I, somebody did shows with Randone. He, tr he tried his best. <laughs> brought a great, great energy. <laughs> okay. This has come full circle. We, we tried our best. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see if... Uh, if Pickens falls to us here, I definitely will be be stoked on that pick at at one eighty eight or one eighty seven. So would you? So yeah, I was going to ask, would you prioritize the value on Pickens over Hamler in our correlation? I would, um, because I feel, I guess the one thing we don't have is a chief here. Um, but I do, and this goes back to the thing, like maybe if I didn't have twenty two percent Hamler, and I'm now basically when I take Hamler, I want it to be at a little bit more of a discount. Just now that we continue to get a little more injury news from him. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm willing like to push it a little bit. And then if Hamler falls, take him, but, uh, that, that value on, I mean, you, you were making the case that Pickens was going to be a big riser. He just yeah. slid 12 piss past ADP. I don't get it, man. Pickens has a good pedigree. Like he's, he's Traylon Burks ish. Like in terms of like what they did college wise. So I like, I, I might be like too deep in rookie world. Like I very much when I saw Calvin Austin being reflected in the, the Steelers tramp uh, camp preview. I was like, yes, I heard about him. Like everybody loved him at the senior bowl and thought he was like a beast. Um, so I might just be too in the weeds now where I went Pete last year from loving the old. So now I'm like any guy with a little bit of youth in him. I'm like, yeah, let's fuck it. This guy's going to be a monster in the right situation. <laughs> you know, I, I I mean Spags, the trajectory you're on, you will be a guy that goes to the Senior Bowl next year. You'll be there with oh, your I binoculars. You. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even see these guys firsthand and be like, "Yeah, I think this guy's gonna shape up as a eight catch, ninety yards per game kind of guy." Draft him in the fifth round. <laughs> Steaming ADPs willy dilly. If I wasn't gonna have a newborn, then I would float Spags and Pete go to the Senior Bowl content mm -hmm. trip. 
Look, I think I think there's room, Pete. You know, sometimes the baby's got to understand. As Luca has learned, <laughs> baby's got to understand. Daddy's got to do content. Daddy's got to do content. That sounds like something on a onesie. <laughs> Speaking of, we got 135 people watching live on Peach Channel, a dozen more on the Splash Play channel. Make sure you subscribe to both. Hit the like video on uh, the like button on both as well. Appreciate it a bunch. We're trying to grow these channels up. Whereas we can tell, as Pete's shown, the grind is real here. So please subscribe. And David Bell going early. Interesting. Um, I like Jarek McKinnon here to get us a chief and yeah. a running back for this build. You good? Yeah, that works. Are we are we in Dulcet? Like I feel like we could justify taking Dulcet here, but I know you didn't want to do three tight ends. Yeah, so we are, um, let's see, I just forgot I have a meeting at 345 and we're running oh, long. Sorry. Sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> um, the, Wait, uh, so are you we, playing this music is, right now? No, it's my, my call on discord that I oh, have okay. that I need to get to in a sec. Sorry. Um, what was I going to say? Now I'm flustered. Uh, I think we have a, we do technically have a luxury pick. I think with this two, five, eight, two build, I think you could just, uh, I would prefer a sixth running back. Um, well, no, I think it's a true luxury pick. If you want to do Dolchich, I think we can. Yeah. I think I would do Dolchich for the double stack. I just, I just like completing those double stacks if we can. And I don't see how we're adding a ton of value to this running back room. Like if Eckler is, our bet is that Eckler is going to be a, like probably the number one back this year would be my thought. Yep. Um, I, I'm just like seeing the other, the problem is it's hard for me. Cause I do, I, I do like a lot of these running backs Foreman. Uh, I keep trying to get more Michelle, evidently not doing a good job of that. Uh, Dearness Johnson. I keep trying to take, he goes there. Eno, you can see, I like at 11%. I want to start getting more Beatty, maybe not necessarily on mm -hmm. a Gus Edwards team. So, but I, I, I don't mind it. If the, the chat seems everyone wants Dolchich. I mean, people yeah. want Dolchich. Should we do Dolchich? Karain is an influencer. Karain is the one who drives the views. Like I think on uh, some of the some of the channels out there, like Liam's channel, I think the Spike Week channel too. Because I watch everything now. I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to get all the info I can. Um, I do think Karain spikes views for channels from what I've seen. He is. He's Big a draw. peacock. Um, all right, we could do Dolchich. Why don't you? Uh, why don't we land the plane here? So. I can get to All right, my guys, So make sure you are subscribed to Peach Channel. Coming up in a few hours will be the randomizer with the always fun, always a good time John Daigle. So tune in the Peach Channel a little bit. I'll be back tomorrow doing the solo stream on the Splash Play channel. So make sure you subscribe over there at a thousand subs. Pete's going to have to do a show with me on Fridays drunkenly. So we're going to get wild, but I'm going to get wild by myself tomorrow. So come hang out at 2.30. Follow at Peter Arbors at follow at Chris Fags and follow the thousand follower at Splash Play pod handle. And we'll be back together with you guys on Monday. See you then. Enjoy your weekends. Was this was this badge, Matt, coming out of the woodwork at the last bit? I hate you, Matt. See you next time.